All right, instantaneous victory. That's what we're talking about, like we did last week. Root verses, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. Who wants to spread the gospel? Then when? Makes manifest the savour of his knowledge. They smell God. They taste God by our victory. They don't, t- and by the way, they don't taste God by your defeat. What they do, what the, what the modern church does now is water down the gospel so that the world can relate to us. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be a shining city on a hill for the, Lord, for the world, not to relate to, but for the world to look up to and say, that is where I want to be. You know that you are following the wrong people when you say, that's not what I want. I don't want to be where they're at. But see, Christians now think, you know what? Because I was an addict, I can relate to addicts. And that's the only way to relate to addicts. Does that have some sort of merit? A little bit, but the greatest merit would be, I was never an addict. Let me teach you how not to be an addict. Not lowering yourself down and then relating. Because we are known, the savour of his knowledge is known by our victories, our wealth, our health, our stability, our great marriages. Like people who want to teach marriage classes are divorced four times. Well, I finally hit it. No thanks. We want to win the lost, and we have all sorts of tactics all sorts of gimmicks, and I say we, I don't mean this church. We don't have any gimmicks, we don't have any tags, we don't have any flags waving on the road. We got nothing. We don't have giveaways, it's not, it's not jet ski Sunday. It's nothing. It's no gimmicks. There's no backpacks, there's no Easter egg hunts, nothing. And that's just because you're mean, Tom. It's not because I'm mean, it's just worthless. It's all worthless. Tom, you talk about this all the time. Yeah, because it's worthless. And you're gonna see it all, it's just like I'm gonna talk about resolutions in just a minute. They're worthless. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. I don't want things that aren't the word of God. I don't want them. Giveaways aren't the word of God, so I don't do giveaways. I'm not saying every church does giveaways is a horrible church. I'm just saying I'm not gonna do it. If you want people in the gospel of Jesus, win. Drive around in your brand new car. I've said this before. But who gets attention? I mean, really, if you just take a really good, I don't care what it is. I mean, whether it's an old, fixed up car, whether it's a brand new car, you pull a brand new car, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking about, you know, a brand new, you know, hybrid, worthless piece of crap. <laughs> That's like nothing more than an office cubicle. It's barely even a motorcycle. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what's safer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you pull up in a brand new car, people look at you. They're like, you know what? I want that. Now, some of them will be jealous. That's fine. So it's a form of flattery. If you're jealous, you want what I have. And you're healthy. You're wealthy. You have a great marriage. They smell God on you. Now, thanks be unto God, which always always causes us to triumph in Christ. You never have to win through defeat. That's the world's philosophy. We don't conform to the pattern of this world. It's the world's philosophy. You know, I've learned many things from my defeats, and I wouldn't change anything. You're an idiot. 
If you have a bunch of defeats and you wouldn't change, I would change all of my defeats. Even though I may have learned something in it, I still would rather win. I'll, 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 I'll learn through other people's defeats. I'll read books. I'll listen to other sermons. There's lots of older pastors. This is, this is what, coming under Rodney Howard Brown, you like, Tom, you talk about Rodney every service. I know, he's my pastor. I talk about him all the time. But coming underneath Rodney Howard Brown like I did, I was able to learn from him. Now, he's only six, seven years older than me. It seems like in maturity, he's 30 years older, but yet he's really, we could be brothers. But I was able to learn from him. And all the other pastors that I listened to, I listened to, their, now I've had plenty of my own defeats, but I don't have to continue to be defeated. I can learn from other people's defeats. Pastor Rodney will tell you, this works, that doesn't work. When he says it doesn't work, you know what I don't do? That. Didn't work for him. He's the most powerful man of God I've ever been around, ever, ever. If it didn't work for him, I'm not doing it. So I don't need to try it now. We are known by our victories, not our capitulation, not our cooperation, not conforming to the pattern of this world, not our defeats, not our losses, not our, not our various other calamities. We are known by our victories. They smell God on us. Now we want instantaneous victory. Now you'll be, just like they'll tell you, well I've learned from my defeats and I wouldn't change any of it. That's all garbage. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. The faith comes from where? The word of hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith is the word of God. So everything outside of the word of God is not faith. It's not faith. So when you hear statements like it takes a village, everything happens for a reason, I wouldn't change anything, even all the bad things that have happened, none of those things are the gospel, so they need to be jettisoned. Now, not tomorrow, you don't need counsel. Don't need to schedule an appointment with me, nothing. Jettison it all now. Choose the Bible. We are known by our victories. Now, how do you get there? I want instantaneous victory. People are like, well, you learn through the process. It's not a Bible verse. I want, when I pray, I want it now. When did Jesus get it? Now. So if I am a Christian, he's Jesus Christ. He got it now, and I'm a Christian, then I want it now. Right now, and if I don't, something's wrong. And you may put a timing on it, and that still means now. Like, Lord, I want this a month from now. Well, that's still now when you get it a month from now. Not, not 10 years from now. There's lots of reasons why we don't get things now. We'll get into that. But I want it now. Setting a precedent, what is correct is instantaneous victory. Right now. You have lack, God supplies. You have, you have sickness, illness, disease, or infirmity, God heals now. Whatever the need is, the answer comes now. The solution comes now. Now, how do you get this? You earn it? No. But you're going to have to be all in, and you're going to have to be fully convinced. Remember that from last week. If you want instantaneous victory, this is what I've been saying for two, three weeks now, there's a process to instantaneous victory. 
where things that are supposed to be instantaneous are no longer a process. But you have to go through the process to get to where there is no process. Because listen, we have to have our minds transformed. Then we are able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2. But we have to have our most, whether, whether we know it or not, we are all living in some sort of realm of unbelief. It's, it's subconscious. Because we believe, and we believe for the miraculous. But there is unbelief. The apostles who are around Jesus for three years of adult ministry saw everything still had unbelief. Jesus said to them, it's because, Matthew 17, 17 through 21, why couldn't we cast it out? Because of your unbelief. They'd already been around them. They'd already, there's Matthew 17, they'd already seen miracles. But they still had unbelief. And for us to sit back and go, you know what, I'm a Christian, there is no unbelief, you're lying to yourself. But there's only one way to get rid of unbelief. That you have to earn. You don't earn salvation. You earn the recognition of salvation, the revelation of it, understanding how much power you now have. You're gonna have to go through the process. Everybody always talks about it. Your ship's gonna come in, 2024. Ship's coming in. They told you that in 2020, in 20, uh, 2002. In, what was it, 2002, I can't even get it anymore because everything's 20 in front of it now. They told you that 21, 23 years ago. Ship didn't come in then, did it? Why, because nobody told you the process. They just told you the ship's gonna come in. You know how you make the ship come in? Gotta build the ship. Everybody's standing on the shore. Where's my ship? Did you ever build one? No. What do you think's gonna come in? God did it all, but you have to remove the barrier. That's your works. Your works are not to make you pleasing in the sight of God. You couldn't be any more pleasing than you are right now. Your works is to understand and to be able to grab a hold of the benefits of being pleasing to God. It's already been done for you. It's like I tell you all the time about the, tr- the, the presence under the tree. Most Christians stand their entire life and look at the presence under the tree and never open them and say, God, give me my presence. He's like, it's done. But you have to go open them. You may have to walk 10 feet to get them. But they're all yours already. You have to melt away unbelief to get to the instantaneous. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship, every day. If you don't do it, 2024 is not going to be the year of your ship coming in. Why? Because God marvels at your prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. He goes, oh, wow, you know what? I can move now. He's already moved. The tree, the the presents are under the tree. He's already moved, but you have to go unwrap them. If you stay in the faith, you're going to heaven. I can't be any sweeter than that. He who endures until the end will be saved. I know that's not popular preaching because the Bible is not popular preaching. That's the Bible. He that endures until the end is the Bible. Matthew 10, 22, Jesus speaking. If you under, listen, You're saved. If you're saved, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. God loves you. But that's not going to give you the miraculous. You're going to have to crucify the flesh. You're going to have to be all in. You're going to have to melt away unbelief. That's your sole cause. Why hasn't this happened? Unbelief. Somewhere, unbelief. I've prayed for something. Why hasn't it happened? 
unbelief. You have to be all in to melt away unbelief. Your ship's not coming in. You gotta build the ship. I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. I'm a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. Diligently seek him, Hebrews 11.6. Search for him with all of your heart, Jeremiah 29.13. You have to be all in, and you have to be fully convinced. Remember Romans 4, 20 and 21. He did not waver. He did not waver at the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised you was able to do. Fully convinced. You may look like a fool to Christians. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. You may look like a fool. Some of you, because things don't happen, you have decided. Some, some of it's not even adapting faith. You never had it to begin with. You never believed for the miraculous, but some of you used to believe for the miraculous. It didn't happen, so now you have malformed your faith into your own version of Christianity where there's no expectations. Does that sound like fully convinced? You gotta be fully in. You'll look like a fool to Christians. The worst opposition for me always comes from inside the church, not outside. You know why? Because I don't care what outside the church thinks. Amen. Why in the world would I care what a baby butcher thinks? Why would, I, why would I care what a vaccine pimp or whore thinks? Seven times in. Seven times vaccinated now. Why, why would I care what they think? The most opposition comes from inside the building figuratively speaking, with Christians with their own beliefs. Bring the Bible verses. What do you believe? It must be a Bible verse or it is nothing. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So faith is the word of God. So anything outside the word of God is not faith and we are justified through faith. Romans 5.1. Abraham was all in and fully convinced. Noah, all in. Josiah, all in. The greatest of the great, the greatest king in all, in all of Judah was Josiah, the greatest. Why? He's all in. Nothing stood. He went to every high place and tore it down. Not, not some high places like David. Not some high places like Jehoshaphat. He went to every high place and tore it down. Not to some, like Hezekiah, and I love all those kings. Second Kings, chapter 21 through seven is some of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. I love Hezekiah, but he did more than Hezekiah. He was all in, nothing stood. He went and dug up the bones of the false prophets and burned them. I mean, that's all in. You are fully convinced. If you tear down every Ezra pole, every high places, every high place, Every brothel inside of the temple. And then you're, that's not good enough. You go back and you find bones that are 100 years old and you, t you dig them up and you burn them. You are all in. Now, we don't have to do those religious things anymore. What do you need, what do you need to crucify? I don't know. You tell me. What is it? You already know. There's a list in your life. Some of you is just flat out bad attitude. Start right there. God's not gonna give you some deep revelation until you deal with the non-big-time non revelatory. Some of you are just a jerk, and you know you are. You treat your spouse like crap. Step one, 
I'm a prophet. Nobody's going to recognize you as a prophet. All they see you is as a lousy spouse. You'll never get past it. See how quiet it gets in here? Nobody, nobody, nobody wants the path. The lousy spouse, the jerk, stands on the shore. Year of 2024. It's my year. Revival begins, starting right now. Not until you start being nice to your wife. Prophet. Apostle. Everybody wants some sort of deep revelatory thing. Stop being a jerk. How's that? That may not be you. You might be the other way. You're too nice. That's not my struggle. Maybe that's yours. I nearly get in a fist fight every year of my life. I'm not kidding. It gets it's close every year. My son talks to me about it. Dad, I said, no, I wasn't going to. Dad, Dad, if it went that way, you know it would have gone, it would have gone, you're right. Okay, that's not, my, my problem is not being too nice. Some of you are a doormat, and you think that it's Christ-like. Is that the Bible? Okay, then why is it, how's it Christ-like if it's not the Bible? How's embracing transgenderism? Well, you need to accept people. You need to tolerate. No, how's that Christ-like when it's not the Bible? How could it possibly be of the faith when faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, if it's not the Bible? Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Do you keep loaning money to people who don't pay you back? Why? You can take that literally or figuratively. Do you keep giving to people who don't give back? Do you? And you think that it's Christ-like? You got some worthless son living at your house, plays video games all day, and he eats Hot Pockets? Your Hot Pockets? Claiming any day now he's gonna get a job. Okay, now, it's been seven years. Hadn't gotten a job. You know what you do? Ultimatum time. You're my son. I love you. I want to support you. Here's what it'll take. You do this, you do that, you can stay. If you don't, you're out. Some of you, though, you believe that being a doormat is Christ-like. Was Jesus a doormat? Then how is it Christ-like for you to be one? You ever think like that? Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Stop being used in the name of Jesus. Matthew 7, 6, by the way. You don't get used in the name of Jesus. People ask, Tom, how do you not get burned out as a pastor? I never get burned out. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. Hope's like, you know you have to go to that. I don't have to do anything. She, she will have her chance to convince me, and at times she does. But there's a lot of times I'm like, I'm not doing that. Tom, you really shouldn't say this, and you really shouldn't say You really shouldn't say vaccine whore from the pulpit. Well, you know, I find whore in the Bible. The word whore is in the Bible. Would, would you refer a different interpretation like concubine? Vaccine concubine? I will acknowledge that pimp is not in the Bible. <laughs> but a pimp's gonna pimp, so they're gonna be called pimp. <laughs> You're like, Tom, how do you not get burned out? He goes, listen, if I don't wanna give, I don't give. 
I do what I'm compelled to do by the Holy Ghost. Oh, you're just so holy. I'm not holy. I just know the voice of the Holy Ghost. He tells me to do it, I do it. If he doesn't, I don't. You should take on more counseling. No. You should show up to everybody's birthday party. No. You got to be everybody's friend. Already tried that. Doesn't work. No. You got to be all in, and you got to be fully convinced. New stuff now. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. I didn't give you guys any of these. Not your fault. It's not your fault. Next one that we'll do for, for you guys is Luke 6, 38. No man can serve two masters. You know what that means? Let's get deep. What does that mean? It means no man can serve two masters. <laughs> you know what it really means? No man can serve two masters. You can't serve two. You will, this is how the verse goes. No man can serve two masters. For either he will love the one and hate the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon means the world. So you have to choose. You will end up hating God if you choose to serve the world. If you choose to make your kids number one, you'll end up hating God because no man can serve two masters. I see it all the time with Christians. They shut, off, they shut off the Bible for their kids. Their kids start to wander from the Lord, and instead of saying, you know what, my kid is living in sin, they start to, they start to malform Christianity around their own kid, somehow making their unrighteous kid righteous. Well, I know that he's, she or he, they're sleeping with their girlfriend or boyfriend, but you know what, they have a good heart. No, they don't. You're lying to yourself. Their words tell you what their heart is. Their actions tell you what their heart is. You have to choose, where are you gonna go today? What are you gonna go all in on today? Are you gonna give God your all today? Because if you're not, the ship's not coming in. Why? Because God's not pleased? No, he's fully pleased with you. If you do nothing the rest of the year, you just say, you know what, I am dedicated, I'm not gonna live in sin. But I'm gonna commit my life to video games for 2024. God still loves you, you're still going to heaven. However, ship ain't coming in. Why, you haven't, because if the ship hasn't come, on, come in already, that means unbelief's in the way. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Unbelief's in the way. You're gonna have to go through the process to get to the instant. You have to be all in. Let your yes be yes and your no be no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. That's how God is. That's how he is. It's you are in or you are out. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Mark 3.25. It won't say you cannot be divided against yourself. Why? Because if you are, it's unbelief. It's not because God's mad. If you are saved, he's fully pleased with you. You are a joint heir with Jesus. So where's all the stuff? Where's the salvations? Where are the miracles? Where is the full churches? Why is every purple seat in here not filled? Because of you and me and our own unbelief. The savour of his knowledge is made known to the world by our victories. They smell God through our victories. But we think Christianity is barely hanging on. Someday, Lord, it'll all be, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. 
Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, John 17, 3. Most Christians think eternal life, eternal life is heaven. No, knowing the one true God is, is eternal life. Hey, we just broke our record online, 446 watching. Bless you. Love you guys online. Stick with us. Unless you're, listen, unless you're anywhere near the River Church, Tampa, Revival Today, Pittsburgh, Alberta, Canada with Archer Pulaski, Tony Spell, Greg Locke, the people who stood, stick with us. I would never have told you that. I never would have told you that five years ago or actually now 46 months and 15 days to flatten the curve ago. But I am telling you now, stick with us. You're better off watching us than going to some worthless, watered-down, capitulating church. Oh, how can I please the world? How can I please the world? What's the world doing? Well, let's do that. No, thank you. You have to be all in, and you have to be fully convinced. You have to be fully expectant. What did you pray for? Now listen, some of you, if it doesn't happen now, it's because you're in the process. But be in the process. And like I told you a few weeks ago, like Kenneth Hagin said, if you're willing to stand for forever, it won't be long. That's why he said that. Get in the process. Prayer, Bible study, worship, fellowship. Speak to things. When you hear worthless tripe, say to it, that's worthless tripe. What if it comes out of my spouse's mouth? Tell them. That's worthless. You're like, Tom, you just told us a minute ago to not be a jerk. You can do that without being a jerk. Hope and I have said this to it. We've been married for 27 years. We've said it numerous times to each other. I don't receive that. Because when I've been wrong, she doesn't receive it. When she's been wrong, I don't receive it. You can do it without being a jerk. And we don't use, we don't suddenly shift in to King James vernacular when we're talking either. <laughs> Beest thou not? No, I should use good old American. No. <laughs> now, all that, all that stuff is worthless. All the religion, all the THs are worthless. You know why, you know why people go to the worthless? Because they don't want to put in the time. People would rather be tattooed than lift weights. Why don't you go and lift weights and put muscle on instead of putting a tattoo on yourself that says, I'm strong. <laughs> you're tatted up. I don't care if you're tatted up. It ain't sin. I don't care if you're tatted up. I'm not going to get one, but you can listen. If you've got a giant one that says mother on your chest, fine. <laughs> you have to be all in. You have to be fully convinced. Why? Luke 6.38, because it's giving, it's sowing. It's not because God's pleased, it's the system. You may not like it. A lot of Christians don't. They don't want to sow seed. Sow seed's hard. And oh gosh, here comes, here comes an offering. Don't take one. I don't take one. So the offering's not coming. The ushers aren't coming forward. Buckets aren't being passed. We don't have the decorative baskets. We got nothing. So you don't have to worry. Luke 6.38 is not even about finances. It can be used for finances because giving's giving. But you may not like the system. The system is whatever you put in the ground's coming up. If you put nothing in the ground, guess what's coming up? Nothing. That's the system. The entire system is predicated on faith. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God has be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Guess what happens if you sow crap? It's coming. I've told you this before. I'll go deeper into it today. It's kind of, I hope scared. People might be like, you know, I just, I noticed Tom, you know, seems to hang out by himself. You know, here's my thing. That's the seed I planted. Oh, whoa, it's me. Tom's by himself. No, that's what I want. So that's the seed I plant. I, could I, listen, you, probably my, outside of my own family that's in the room, I have some friends sitting in here right now that are friends of mine, but I'm a horrible friend. So since I never call, Travis is a good friend of mine. I never call Travis. So I don't walk down the road or I don't sit in my office going, why doesn't Travis ever call me? We're friends. <laughs> Travis doesn't call me because I don't call him. Another very close friend of mine is Aaron, our worship leader. Very close. We're very, very close friends. But I never sit and go, why doesn't Aaron just call up and ask to spend time with me? Because I don't do that with him. I don't expect it. I don't want any of those things, so I don't sow seed to them. You're like, Tom, you don't want close, intimate friendships? Not right now. I've had them. I'm good. I don't know. I'm good. And, not, and I'm just a terrible friend. I don't call people. I don't. I get, in, I get in trouble with other pastors. Been in trouble with Pastor Rodney. Because I don't call people. So I don't, I'm, but I'm not surprised. Most people are surprised. Why is it? I just can't make friends at that church. Oh, really? Well, let's look at how many seeds you planted in the ground. You know what you may have to do? Things that are uncomfortable for you. You may have to stop being a jerk. You may have to stop being weird. You know, every room that you walk into is not a temple for you to prophesy. Every Bible study that you attend is not anxiously awaiting to hear all, all your life story. You know who you are. And if you don't know, ask your spouse. Ask a close friend. Somebody that will actually tell you the truth. Listen, I gotta ask you something, Bill, Jim, Sally. Am I weird? <laughs> Go ask them. Is this holding you back? I'm the only one who loves you enough to tell you. I know you'll leave the church because of it, but at least now I've planted the seed. I've thrown it down. I've thrown the maps. You may have to do things that are uncomfortable for you. You've got to sow seed. Nobody wants to sow seed. Prayer, Bible study, worship and fellowship, shutting off devices, shutting off Endless stimulation. You're not designed for it anyway. That's why you're full of anxiety and depression. Nobody is designed for endless scrolling images. Shut it off. Shut it off. Get alone with God. Be still and know God. But will you put that time in? If you don't, the ship hasn't been built, so stop standing on the shoreline. 
A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Their own folly, where's my ship? I'm mad at God. It never came in. You never built it. You never built it. It's not a matter of earning it. He gave it all to you. It's a matter of receiving it. In order to receive, you have to believe. In order to believe, you have to dispel unbelief. And that's the only way to go. That's it. There is no other path. Well, God could do it anyway. He can't. He'd be a liar if he did. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, Romans 5, 1 and 2. It's the only access. Only access point is faith. God can't do it any other way. He'd have to cease being God. He made a commitment. It goes by faith. In order to expose faith, you have to dispel unbelief. Or you can just start making excuses like 99.999% same as the Bible rate as COVID of other Christians. Which is they just start creating their own faith. Well, you know, God has a reason. Show me that Bible verse. God has a reason. Someday we'll understand. Where's that Bible verse? Someday we'll understand. No, I see that whenever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 14. John 16. Matthew 16, 19. Give, and it will, back to Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. You're going to have to give. Why? It dispels unbelief. It's not because you've earned it. You've jumped into the system, and now the system is faith. So faith dispels unbelief. That's what giving does. Give and it will be. You want friends? What do you do? You're going to have to be around people and be friendly. If you want to be a prophet, you're going to have to be around people to prophesy. You're going to have to give. Ship's not coming in unless you do. A lot of people, Christians, credit to them. They want finances, they're willing to give. And they receive. I've been abundantly blessed financially. But they won't give in other areas. And they wonder where the ship is. Relationships, mental health, healing, you're gonna have to give. You have to give of your time. I'm gonna shut the, you know, I'm gonna give of this stimulation. I'm giving it away. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be endlessly stimulated today. I'm gonna shut it off. And I'm gonna spend hours alone with God. I'm just gonna walk out my front door and I'm gonna talk to God for two hours. Nothing. No worship music, nothing. No preaching, nothing. Just me and the Holy Ghost. If you don't do that, don't expect anything because you're not melting unbelief. The ice wall of unbelief stays right there. And then people get mad at God, but that's your own folly. Person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. That's Proverbs 19.3, just so you know. They get mad at God. Didn't happen. Why are you mad at God? You didn't put any seed in the ground. That'd be like getting mad at Mother Nature because you got no crop. No, I don't believe in Mother Nature. Don't meet me at the door. Okay, don't. Don't. But just for being mad at nature because there's no apple, there's no apple trees. Where's the apple seed? I didn't plant any. Why are you mad at nature then? Everything is seed whether you like it or not. If it's not put in the ground, it's not gonna happen. You wanna change your marriage, what do you do? 
I love how everybody looks at me in this like distant <laughs> gaze of emptiness. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, you do. Yeah, what's wrong? Fix it. What is it? Turn to each other right now and say, what is it? You know what it is. Fix it. Knock it off. Start. Stop. Whatever it is. You do it now. You put seed in the ground. Otherwise, you're still going to have a lousy marriage. This is the year. This is the year of, of, of restored relationships, 2024. We can put all the years. We can, put up, we can create graphics. We can put on seminars. You don't plant seed, ain't nothing changing. Anybody need finances? I can tell you what's happening with the economy right now. Here, let me give you another observation. Gosh, dog, 11, 20, 54, that's because of you. <laughs> this is a deep observation now. Pay close attention to this. This will change your life. It's about to change your life. Jagger right here, Jagger Wave, so everybody knows who I'm talking about. There's Jagger. You ever see him on TV? He's the bass player at the river. He brought me uh, Krispy Kreme donuts yesterday, and I ate six of them. Now, in the course of about three hours, six of them. I went home immediately. I was in the middle of my walk. I'd, ride, I'd do a walk, and then I'd come home and ride the elliptical. But instead of jumping right to the elliptical, I had two donuts. <laughs> and then I used the elliptical to burn off the two donuts that I just ate. Total waste of time. But anyway, it was delicious. But Krispy Kreme donuts used to be about that big. Okay, they're like this now. They're like mini donuts. So I don't, I really ate in my own mind, and this is how all fat people talk. <laughs> in my mind, I ate three. Because it would have been three of the olds. But that's the new economy. It's amazing what one man can do in three years. He shrunk Krispy Kreme donuts in three years. <laughs> My spicy chicken ranch, whatever sandwich, uh, spicy chicken sandwich at uh, Chick-fil-A, it used to be huge. Now it's basically a chicken mini. Three years. That's the economy that you can choose to be in, or you can give your way out of it. I don't know. Well, there's a, there's a preacher after my money. All right, stay in the economy. I don't care. I'll be fine. I choose to live in the supernatural provision of God. So I tithe and give above my tithe. And this church tithes. Every ounce of money that this church gives will probably break four million from last year. So we're bringing in about four million bucks last year. Ten percent of that went to the river, which is the River Church Tampa, and revival today in Pittsburgh. Ten percent of it gone, and more than that. It's actually more than that because my wife never gives ten percent ever. No matter what we get, well, I give a little bit above and beyond. We don't really give ten percent. She gives like thirteen point eight percent at minimum. But that's what that. You know why? And I'm just going to tell you this again, even though I've told you a dozen times before. When I met Pastor Rodney, this church had about 140 people in it, and we made $300,000 a year. It's been four years, and now we're at 900 people, 1,000 people on a big day, even more than that on a big day, and $4 million dollars a year. Now, I hesitate to tell you that 
Because every time I tell you how great you are, you don't give. Every time we have a special sort of service, whether it's Jonathan was here, ladies conference, whatever it is, you don't give. A lot of people, they go, you know what? We had a service on, Sunday, on Christmas Eve day and then Christmas Eve, so people like choose one. I always hesitate to tell people, man, you're a great church, you're a great giving church. I told you, last time I said this was a great giving church, which by the way, I'm not telling you that, even though you are, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> and those of you that are watching, you're part of the giving of this church. Thank you, because it comes in from all around the world. All around the world it comes in. But I hesitate to tell you that because the last time I did it was the worst offering that we'd had in five years. So I kind of vowed to myself, never tell them they're great, even though you are. So I guess I'm still telling you you're great. See, you need to understand something. It's all about mentality, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You have to have a faith mentality. You cannot have a stony heart mentality. You have to have a heart of flesh mentality. That's why you saw the international caving of the church. And it's not just COVID. COVID just exposed it all. They were all pro-homosexual to begin with. I, I did a thing that cost me like eight families. I did a nice little expose from the pulpit. I didn't even mention any names. I would tell people at the door if they wanted to know. But I was pulling up information from stances of prominent, predominant ministers. And this was six, seven, eight years ago, if not longer. And where they were all standing on, you know what, we're just gonna need to come to a place, the world is changing, so we need to adapt. And for I am the Lord, I change not. So why are you changing, Malachi 3.6? Why are you changing? You don't change. Heterosexual sin is hellbound. Homosexual sin is hellbound. You don't change. There's no, you know, we're just gonna need to embrace uh, our culture so that we can win people. How are you winning them? By leaving them in their fornication sin, their lying sin, their cheating sin, their homosexual sin? How are you winning them? You ever think about it? You ever, it's almost impossible to, to discuss because it's nonsensical. We need to embrace sin, allow people to sin so that we can win them. Win them to what? Stop thinking accommodation is Christianity. It is not. It's not. You come out from among them and be separate, to, uh, separate says the Lord, or you're not gonna be my priest. 2 Corinthians six seventeen. You may not like it. I don't know what to tell you. I don't tell people what they like. I tell them what's true. I don't care how many sinners' prayers you've said. I don't care what home you were raised in. If you are currently living in sin, I didn't say struggling with sin. I said living in sin. You're living in a hell-bound state. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Revelation chapter three, verse five. What do you, what do you mean? What? But I was told by John Calvin and numerous other ministers with the last name of Stanley that 
once you're saved, you're always saved. That's not what the Bible says. Yet you have entire chapters of the Bible titled the great apostasy, the great falling away, the great walking away. And people have the audacity to walk up to a pulpit and claim once saved, always saved. And why do I preach this? Because if you don't have that hardcore attitude, you actually have a stony heart claiming that it's a soft heart. But if it's not the word of God, it's a stony heart. Hardcore is the heart of flesh. And it is conducive for faith. It is a conduit for faith. Hardcore, black and white, yes be yes, no be no. A house divided against itself cannot stand. A non-divided house. That's how you'll receive. That's how you'll receive. You have to be in that attitude. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why you saw the international collapse of the church. I can't believe any of these churches are still open. I don't know how they do it. Their money went way down. Their attendance went way down. It never came back. 60% of businesses that closed over the last 46 months and 15 days to flatten the curve will never reopen again. I don't know how they make money. I don't know how they stay open. You, you, you wonder how, how it all went that way. Because of how they are what they think. Psalm chapter three says, I don't care if there's tens of thousands of people against me, I'll stand. I laid down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. But what I'm not gonna be afraid of tens of thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. In the modern day church, if people set themselves against the church, the church thinks they're wrong. Now, that's not loving. They don't like us. Um, they don't like us, so we must not be loving. I'm not saying to seek after people not liking you. I'm saying preach the gospel in season, out of season. That means popular or unpopular. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. You preach it now. And then let the ships fall where they may. There's going to be a lot. Of, listen, the homosexual community is not a big fan of mine. Either is the fornication community. I've lost lots of people who attended this church who want to live with their boyfriend and their girlfriend and want me to tell them that they're going to heaven, want me to baptize them. No, no, absolutely not. You're hellbound. You're hellbound. That's the truth. That is actually giving them a chance at life. And if I tell you the reason why you don't get the instantaneous is because you've never gone through the process, you've never dispelled enough unbelief, you don't pray, study, worship like you should to turn your heart. If you're wondering why Christianity is a complete turnoff to you, it's because you don't give to it. Amen. Well, my parents have turned me off from Christianity. Their parents aren't Jesus. Why did you let your parents turn you off from Jesus? Right. Your parents aren't Jesus. Stop blaming them. A person's own folly leads to their ruin. It's your folly. Why are you looking at your parents? Well, they just turned me off. They were hypocrites. Who cares? Welcome to the real world. I've been a galactic hypocrite in my life. I don't like my, I, can't, I, I tell hope sometimes. But that's, uh, I say something, I go, that's really hypocritical how I preach, isn't it? I don't stay in it, but I recognize it and I recognize my own hypocrisy. But it's no excuse. No person should ever turn you off from Christianity. 
as, poor, as important as some of the leaders are in my life, if they worship Buddha tomorrow, it'd have no impact on me. Zero impact on me. Nothing, nothing dissuades me from my faith. When I've been sick, I say it's my own unbelief. Nothing dissuades me. I'm like, well, you know, now that I've been sick, the Bible must be wrong. And I mean, I'm gonna need it because I'm the leader of the church and you know what? I'm gonna need to go up now and make excuses to the people so that they still believe in me. No, I walk, I've walked in here. I think it was COVID that I had in 2021, 17 days of nausea. That's what it was. I was sick to my stomach for 17 days. It's great, I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> Put it all right back on. But anyway, I came, walked right up to the pulpit and I said, I, I mean, I was still like half there. I mean, I, had, I mean, I had blurry vision. I was like, I could barely read my own notes. I can look out in the crowd and like, and I preached two services, two sermons. Got better as the day went on. But anyway, I came out there and I said, I bet you some of you think that I've really been humbled by this. Not at all. I don't change a bit. I said it the whole time I was sick. I can't believe I'm, I'm sick. I can't believe it. And where do I stand right now? I believe right now that I'm gonna live to 120 years outside of the rapture, outside of martyrdom, and I will never be sick again. Why do I believe that? Because I am fully convinced, fully convinced. Well, if, if Tom fails, we can all make fun of him. Go ahead, is that gonna help you? What kind of seed are you putting in the ground by making fun of me? Good, what's it gonna do? Well, I was right. First of all, you aren't right because the Bible is contradicting you. What's happened is you aren't right. That'll never happen, that, that can never happen. And if Tom fails, now I can say that'll never happen. Now I can say, I was right. You were never right. It was my failure. You're doing the same thing that the teenager does who gets turned off by their parent. You're allowing my experience to hone and form fit your faith. Why? Your faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Not looking at other people. For we dare not class ourselves. Do you ever hear this? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Do you know just how disinterested I am in all other Christians outside of their welfare, outside of their well-being, their healing? I don't care if another Christian succeeds. If there's another church that gets built in this town, and they have 10,000 people going to their church, and they're preaching the gospel, I'll rejoice in it. If all of you left and went to that guy or girl, you know what, fine. If that's what God wants, that's fine. I don't sit around going, I wonder what other churches are doing. Because this pastor does good. This, God, God is not finite. It's not some set pie. Oh, pastors get all competitive. Well, this guy moved into town, and you know they're just evangelizing the community. Why aren't you evangelizing the community? In this county alone, there's almost 400,000 people live here. Today, right now in church, most people are not in church. There's 400,000 people that, are, are, that live in Sarasota County. I would guesstimate that maybe, maybe 10 to 15,000 are in church right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe. If that. So I think we could maybe, you know, 
be able to adequately part and parcel out the other 390,000 people that are available, available to us to evangelize without being competitive? That's why I, how, Tom, how hard do you strain to keep people in the church? I don't. I just tell them, here's your decisions. You decide. And then I go home, sleep like a baby, and eat Krispy Kreme donuts. Really. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. Whatever it is that you give into Christianity, you'll receive. I'll finish with this. This is 1210. I hope wasted my entire sermon time. <laughs> Maybe there's some more process here. We're going to go a little bit long, longer. And again, when you meet us at the door, it's the lady right here in all black. Mm -hmm. <laughs> White collar. Right <laughs> you have to be all in because it gives you a conducive heart. Not because it pleases God. It enables you to be able to receive. Holy moly, brand new record, just broke it again. 476 watching. That's huge. I mean, that's, that's huge. And that's all, by the way, I'm kicked off at YouTube. We have, a, we have sort of an alternative YouTube channel that somehow Aaron's created, but this is basically all parallel economy. This is all rumble. You need to switch, I'm telling you. Otherwise, you're gonna get banned. Pastor Rodney's banned off of YouTube this week. You know how they banned him the first time? They went back to 2021. They did the same thing to me. They went back four months. We went back four months and found a sermon that I said something about ivermectin and banned me off of YouTube for life. We have to set up our own thing. Otherwise, if you watch the podcast, otherwise you are going to say what your puppet masters tell you to say so that you can stay on the platform. Just put your mask on, get your seven vaccinations, and stand six feet apart. No, thank you. James 4, verses 8 through 10, heading towards the end here. Draw near to God and at seed he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. No man can serve two masters. You have to be all in now. So you have to go through process, lament, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You may have to say, I've failed for the last couple decades. I have. I've told you. 50 out of 55 years, wasted. Hope doesn't like when I say that because it's not all waste, but I mean, I just wasted a lot of time. I admit it. Why can't you? I wasted it. Some of you need to go back and get your unsaved kids. You may have wasted decades and now your kids aren't saved because of whatever reason, either you were too tolerant or maybe you were too religious a lot of Christians, I'm a, I don't mean to get off on this, but it's just funny. A lot of Christians, this is because we just got past the holiday season, one year it's Christmas tree, and the next year it's no Christmas tree because we've discovered that that's pagan. And the next year it's, it's a Christmas tree again. And then the next year it's a Christmas tree with no ornaments because ornaments are pagan. Guess what? It's all pagan. It is. Every, well, the, the Christmas tree is a symbol of the cross. No, it's not. Please read. Study to show yourself approved. Don't be destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
Just be like me. Now, how, where does God stand on these things? Because Christians, you have, you have Christians that their entire faith is based on defending the King James Bible. Why? Their entire faith is about attacking holidays. Nobody's getting saved, but they're endlessly being proven correct about what a fallacy Santa is. Nobody's getting saved. No miracles are being done. Where does God stand on this stuff? I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that nothing, nothing is impure in and of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Romans 14, 14. I know and am convinced that nothing is unclean in and of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. That's talking about all the religiosity going on in the, in the Roman church. That's Romans 14, 14, by the way. That's where God stands. Does God care whether you celebrate Christmas? No. Does he care if you do or you don't? No, he's dispassionate about it. Why? I don't know. God's not dispassionate about many things. But he is dispassionate about that. He's like, you know what? If somebody believes in Santa, let them. They'll figure it out. If they believe in Buddha, attack! If they're a Mormon, attack! Santa, no big deal. They eat food, sacrifice to idols, nobody cares. That's, how, that's the word of God. Be passionate about what he wants you to be passionate about. I've run into endless Christians, passionate about Easter, passionate about Christmas. I don't care about any of it. I like Christmas, I put up lights. I like getting presents. I'm a present guy. <laughs> Every year I get more presents from this church than the year before. And you notice, I don't tell you not to give them to me. <laughs> I get people bringing me boxes and boxes of cookies. I have 30 years worth of M&Ms at my house right now. <laughs> Did I come up? Oh no, please, please don't give me. I'm just like, oh wow, present for me? Thank you. I'll take your cookies. I'll take your M&M's. In a quote, I'm trying to find them. And I can't see them right now, but I'm looking. I had a, a quote-unquote friend of mine in the church. Give me, and when it's you, wave your hand at me, and I'll tell everybody who you are. Who gave me a glowing statue of Jesus. Where are you at? There he is. And he's guy, now he should have been, wave at everybody again. He should have been a narcotics cop. Undercover narc. Because he honed me in out there. He's going, look at this present I gave you. I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I know this family. They, come, they never miss church. I'm like, I love these people. Uh, and he's like, look at this present. And it was a plastic Jesus. That has a light on the inside of it. And I'm out here. I'm in front of everybody. And he, he has an expression on his face like, I really want you to love this. I won't lie to anybody, so I just use like these innocuous terms like, oh, wow. <laughs> so now that, that, we're keeping it. It's getting passed around the office. It shows up in people's offices now. Aaron's doing it. <laughs> Why I brought that up, I don't know. All right, last couple things here. 
Still in James chapter four. Lament and mourn and weep, let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. That means you just need to say, you know what? What's been bad is bad. I'm not gonna paint it, I'm not gonna paint it as a bright portrait anymore. I'm not gonna lie to myself anymore. What's bad is bad, and I just turn from it. I acknowledge it. I've been a lousy spouse. I've been a lousy parent. I was lousy in this area. I was good in that area. Whatever, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to gloom. You gotta humble yourself. Next verse. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You want your ship to come in? You gotta make your life, your heart, your soul, your spirit conducive to receive. And humble yourself. Here's where I'll finish. Forget about resolutions. Forget about them. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Resolutions come from the heart. It's 12.18. We'll be out of here by 12.30. Is that good? All right. I'll make it quick. I know you've been sitting a long time. And again, everybody knows the system, right? Demonstrate. If you're a Foundation Church veteran, demonstrate how to save the gluteus maximus. Push down, slide over about an inch or two inches, and then you get on fresh foam. You got to do it. Otherwise, you're sitting on wood by now. Resolutions come from the heart. 11 minutes to go. I'm talking altar call and everything. Resolutions come from the heart. Should we be doing things that come from the heart? Well, let's look. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth, and knoweth all things. So your heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, and has a tendency to condemn you. That's why heart and mind are synonymous in Scripture. That's why I do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's how. You don't just follow your heart. I don't care what the country music industry tells you. You do not follow your heart. Heart is where, I'm gonna do this this year. Following the heart leads Christians to do nothing or the wrong thing. And this is where I'm finishing. Worship team, migrate. Here we go. Begin the great migration. Not from the southern border. <laughs> Christians want to do mighty things. How many of you want to do mighty things? But then do nothing or do the wrong thing. Christians say, you know what? I want to conquer the world for Jesus. And then they get busier, get offended, and take on activities that have nothing to do with conquering the world. For Jesus. I want to conquer the world for Jesus, so I'm now going to get busier doing non-Jesus things. <laughs> Nothing. Why? Because they follow their heart instead of following the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost tell you to do that? How do you know? Be still. He'll tell you. How many of you know the voice of the Holy Ghost? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 8, right? You know the voice of the Spirit, but his voice is what? Still and small. Purposely. So that you have to be still and hear him. Holy Ghost tell you to do it. The Holy Ghost tell you not to do it. Forget about resolutions. 
For him, without him, John 15, 5, you can do nothing. So get in with the Holy Ghost. He'll tell you what to do. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord, today. Praise you, Lord. I'm just giving you this invitation. For those of you that were raised in church and your heart is hardened, just don't be hardened right now. It's not about me. You may have hated the message that I may preach, not be a, not a big fan of mine. Well, I'm out of the picture now. This is about you and God. It's between you and God. Where are you at with God? Forget about your mom, your dad, your church, your religion, anything else. Where are you at with the mighty God of Israel whose name is Yahweh? Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. That's Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It's time to let the past go. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.13 and 14 and Luke 9.62. It's time to let it go. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And you don't just get to humble yourself. You don't just get to lament and mourn and weep. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to get your life right with God today, now is your time. I'm talking about backslidden Christians. If you're a Christian, not saying that, not talking about, again, not talking about struggling with sin. I'm talking about you know that you are now living in sin. A concession, a lifestyle of sin out of Galatians chapter 5, 19 through 21. If that's you, backslidden loved one, prodigal son or prodigal daughter, we love you. We want you back. Listen, we love you and we want you back. And that love in comparison to God's is one in trillions. God loves you and wants you back. Maybe you've never been saved. Now is your time too. Maybe people think you're saved, but you know you're not. Now is your time. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It is all about sin. We're not a sin-based church. Well, you should be. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, is what Paul said. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. All that separates you from God is sin. And Jesus took it all on himself as the propitiation of our sins. And all you have to do is by faith say, my sins are on his shoulders and I turn from my sin. And you are saved. And you are right with God. If you're backslidden, you're right with God. Just do it again. That's called supplicating. Do it again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you're ready to get your life right with God, this is between me, you, and God. I'm not bringing you forward. I'm not taking you to a back room. I'm doing nothing. It's between me, you, and God. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and pray a prayer with everybody else. That's it. So you can relax. If that's you, boldly, right now, stretch your hands into the air. Stretch them in the air. Right where you are. Come on. Come on. Right where you're at. There you go. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Hands going up everywhere. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. You know that you were supposed to raise your hand. Do it now. Come on. 
proudly raising in the air. Praise you, Lord. You can put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this with you. Pray it with all of your heart, out loud to the Lord, and you are saved. Everybody together, here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on, in Jesus' mighty name. Church shouts, amen and amen. Stand with me, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Every hand in the air, look at me now, look at me now. If you're not comfortable, do it anyway. Every hand in the air, come on. Every hand in the air. Receive this blessing from God. Lord, I pray over every uplifted hand and even the stubborn ones who aren't doing it. Lord, I pray over them right now, the greatest week of their lives. From this Sunday to the next, doors opening, doors closing, abundance from heaven, victory in all areas. A great, powerful, and victorious week. In Jesus' name, church shouts. Love you all. God bless you.